Last week, the, probably the biggest question I think that, that really is an impediment to people's faith is, is why does God, you know, why does God allow suffering? Or, or did suffering come from God? Is He the one who causes it to happen? And so that was, that was something we, we talked about last week. And then this week, I believe that the question is born out of that, that very first question. Because there's a lot of you, and I, and I know some of your stories, not all of you, but I know many of your stories, and there's been things that have happened in your life that you would look at and you say, I, I've had things that have happened that have not been fair. I've had things that have happened in my life where, where I have been wronged, and all these different things, and then, and then here comes the next question. Why should I forgive? Whenever I've had, whenever I've had things that have happened to me that haven't been right, that have, have been done to me and I have been innocent, why in the world should I forgive? And that's the question that we're going to be looking at today because I think, I think it is, I think forgiveness, at least it is for me, I think it is one of the more difficult subjects to actually tackle. Now I do, a, I can do a really good job of talking about forgiveness. Uh, where I struggle is actually practicing forgiveness. Wouldn't it be nice if just the stuff that you talk about, it's, you know, that it was just sort of, that's all you had to do? Y'all would be, I'd be phenomenal. You know, if the only thing I did was just talk. But unfortunately, we got to like live this stuff out. And so, you know, the question is, well, how, then how do we forgive? And I think some of us sort of approach forgiveness like a little boy who's at a park, he was sitting on a bench, and it was pretty obvious he was in quite a bit of discomfort. And so he's sitting there, he's kind of wiggling around, and a man walked up to him and said, are you all right? He said, I'm fine. He said, well, why are you wiggling around so much? He said, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. The guy said, well, then stand up. He said, well, I figure I'm doing him more, more harm than he's doing to me. Now, I think there's some of us, and that's the way that we practice forgiveness. We say, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to forgive because I'm going to make that person hurt as much as they are hurting me. But I promise you, that is not a successful way to deal with hurt and bitterness and feelings of, of being left behind. And so today what we're going to see is we're going to see that God has called His people to be forgiving. And so today in our scripture, we're going to be looking in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32 in just a few moments. But we're going to see Paul sharing with us that a distinguishing mark of a person who follows after Jesus is a person who will have forgiveness in their life. A person who will actually practice forgiveness. And so Paul lets us know God has a high calling upon believers. And part of that calling is to be a person of forgiveness. Now, as we look in Ephesians 4, I'll just give you a little bit of background information. The town of Ephesus, it was actually a city. It was one of the largest cities in the ancient world. So it was a big deal. It was a town that was on a port, so that meant there there's a lot of business that traveled through Ephesus. There was a lot of banks that were there. It was a very international community because so many people traveled through it. And Paul, of course, being a preacher, saw this as a great opportunity. So there's so many people from all over the world coming through Ephesus. We have a chance to tell them about Jesus, and then they can spread it to wherever they are, wherever, for wherever they're from. And, and he let them know a great way to spread the message of Jesus, to show people what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is to practice forgiveness. And that, that sounds good. It sounds very simple, but I believe one of the most complica complicated commands that God has given us in Scripture is to forgive. And so the question is, why should I forgive? And hopefully in these three verses that we look at today, we're just going to see some basic reasons why God has called us to forgive. 
And, and here's the very first thing that I see. Uh, one of the reasons why we are to forgive is, is because of this. A lack of forgiveness will actually enslave you. If we are not willing to forgive, we can actually be enslaved by anger and hurt and bitterness. Now I'm going to read to you from verse number 30. It says, And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. Now, Paul wrote this letter of Ephesus to the church that was in Ephesus. This is a letter that is addressed to Christians. In chapter 1, verse 1, he said, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the saints and believers in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Now, I tell you that because this command that he is giving people uh, about what they're to do in their living, it was directed towards Christians. That means that this text today, it is also applicable to us. It speaks to us. The commands that are being given here are commands that still are in place and to be put into practice today. And one of the instructions Paul gives is he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what is that? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve, it means to cause pain, to cause sorrow. Now, you might think, well, how in the world can I cause the Holy Spirit to feel pain, to have sorrow? And we can cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved, to have sorrow and pain. Whenever we make the decision that we are going to follow our own way instead of following after God's way. You know, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, when God says, this is the path I want you to walk on, and we look at that path and say, hey, thanks for the advice, but I'm going to choose this road instead. And God says, whenever we do that, in verse number 18, it says, we are walking in darkness whenever we do that. And so we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what's wrong with darkness? Well, I mean, I, 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 one thing that's bad about darkness, you can't see, right? Now, those of you who have children, you remember when your kids, uh, Hot Wheels were a big item in our family. And so our boys would have Hot Wheels. And, of course, because they were so good at cleaning up after themselves, they'd leave those little pieces of iron, you know, all over the floor. And then we'd go, I'd go into the room in order to give them the fatherly goodnight kiss and to pray for them. And I'd walk in there and I would step on one of those cars. I hate darkness. And I think they did that on purpose because they wanted to know what was going to come out of my mouth. And so I would just, of course, I would begin to quote verses as I would step on those cars. I mean, it was awful. Now I hate darkness. Now if I don't want to be in darkness, what do I need? I need the light. And here's the neat thing, is that Scripture tells us that we are in a world of darkness, but Jesus came here in order to point out the path to life. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the great thing about light is that it it points out pitfalls so that we can avoid them in life. And so what God and what really what Paul is telling us right here, he says, when you walk in the light, it leads to life. But if you walk in darkness, it always leads to destruction. It always leads to destruction. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. Paul said, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler, against the authorities, against the world powers of darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. When we walk outside of God's leadership, we walk in darkness. Guys, let me tell you something. When I look at the news and I see what's happening in our world, I can say with great confidence, we are walking in darkness. This past week, I'm sure many of you were like me, you watched the news. 
and you turn it on and you're like, what in the world is going on? And you see those shootings, that shooting down in Florida. And I tell you, I see that and I believe scripture more and more. We are living in a world of darkness and we are asking the question, how in the world can we change things? Let me tell you something, there's only one thing that's going to change things. It's Jesus. We are in darkness and when we are in darkness, the call is for us to have light. See, whenever we follow the light, Jesus demonstrates to us forgiveness, His forgiveness. If you desire to live an unburdened life, if you desire to move beyond your past, then there has to be a willingness on your part and my part to say, Jesus, wherever you light the way, whatever your word says, God, I am going to walk on that road and not my own road. Because my own road leads to darkness. So it's a reason we're to forgive us because of lack of forgiveness. It will enslave you. When we don't forgive, y'all, we are bound up in darkness and it's always, it's always evil. But there's another reason we've been called to forgive. Forgiveness removes, it removes anger. It gives you freedom from anger when you forgive. Verse number 31. I, I like this verse because, I mean, I, I look at that and I think, oh, this is going to be an easy one. All bitterness, anger, and wrath, insult, and slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. You got it covered there, doesn't he? All right, here's the things I want you to remove from your life. It says, I want you to remove bitterness, anger, wrath, insult, and slander, and then just sort of as a catch-all, and go ahead and all wickedness while you're at it. Like, I look at that and I'm thinking, well, that's not real easy. You know, but it's a good thing if we can do it. Now, whenever we, whenever we have forgiveness, we are willing to forgive, these are the things that will begin to slide away from your life. But if you don't practice these things and you hang on to these things, there's damage. There's damage on its way. I, I, there's a... I love the story of a guy, he's driving his car, and he's coming up to an intersection, and the light turns yellow. Now, we all know, you know what you're supposed to do when the light turns yellow, right? Slow down, right? So it's the light turns yellow, and the guy, he begins to slow down because he's turning red. Well, the lady behind him, she wants to make that light. It's like my wife, Emily. And she is just, I mean, she's ticked off, you know? So she has to slam on her brakes before she hits the guy in front of her. And so whenever she does that, I mean, she is lit up like a candle. And she's, she's laying on her horn. She's screaming at the guy. And she's doing all these obscene gestures. And, and she's, I mean, she's going bananas. And she hears a knock on her window. And, and she looks over and it's a policeman. And the policeman said, ma'am, I'm going to need you to get out of your car. So she gets out of the car. He says, I need you to put your hands behind your back. She, he cuffs her. And he puts her in his car and he takes her down to the station. She has no idea what's going on. Well, after about an hour, he comes in. He said, uh, ma'am, he goes, I- I'll tell you what happened. He goes, I saw what happened whenever you were you came up behind that guy. And he said, I saw all your gestures. I saw you screaming and honking your horn. He said, but I was looking at the back of your car. And he said, you had a bumper sticker on it. And it said, what would Jesus do? And then had another one on it that said, I love my church. And then it had another one on it that talked about love. And he said, and I automatically knew that you had stolen that car. Now, it, it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. If you're a really good person and you allow bitterness to take hold in your life, you look like a raving lunatic. Being controlled by anger is always devastating. In verse number 31, Paul gave a very extensive list about the stuff that you were to begin to put aside in your life. He says to get rid of bitterness, anger, 
wrath, insult, slander, wickedness. And these are all, they are all related evils. But it's interesting to me that he starts off with the word bitterness. He says, remove bitterness from your life. That word bitter, it's referring to a poison dart that's been, been shot into your body. And if it shoots into your body and you just leave it there, you know what it does? It infects you. It infects every part of you. It affects your organs. It begins to affect what, what's the, the, what comes out of you. Everything is affected. You know, that's what bitterness does. When we hang on to bitterness, it damages us. It causes us to hang on to things that we should, that are not healthy for us, that we should let go of, and it lays waste to anything inside. Now, I know we've all been wrong before. Everybody in here has been wronged. Everybody in here has had things happen to them that have been absolutely not fair. And if we hang on to all those wrongs, they will begin to fester inside of our lives and we will become ruled by our passions. Verse 27 tells us, do not give the devil an opportunity in your life. That word opportunity, it means foothold. Now, if you're a climber, you know the importance of a foothold. A foothold is what allows you to get leverage, to pull yourself up, to be able to conquer the mountain. Paul is saying if you give the devil a foothold in your life, which oftentimes is bitterness, he said then the the devil will get a grip in your life and he'll be able to climb in your life until he conquers you. Satan is looking for any way he can to get a hold in our lives. And for many of us, it's bitterness. So he said, how does forgiveness come into play then? Well, forgiveness allows us to gain control of our lives from hurt emotions. See, if if we don't get control of those emotions and the hurts in our lives, then then what can happen to us is what happened to to Cain back in the book of Genesis. You might remember Cain became jealous of Abel and the offering that he gave. And God noticed it. And God said this to Cain. He said, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, and you must subdue it. Cain didn't subdue it. We all know what happened. He killed his brother. And it destroyed his life. Too many of us are allowing our past to dictate how we're going to live in the future. And if you've been hurt in the past and you are hanging on to it, it's going to limit your future. I promise you this, it's going to remove joy from your life for the future. So that's why Paul says you, you, you must, as believers, you are called to practice forgiveness. You see, because if we don't, then it enslaves us. But if we do practice forgiveness, then Paul's great news is that it can begin to remove anger. It can begin to give you freedom. But then here's the last thing I see. Another reason we're to forgive is because of this. Because forgiveness makes you more like Jesus. That's really the key for everything. We want to practice forgiveness because when we forgive, it gives people a picture of who Jesus is. Verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now, if you go back to the preceding verse, it says, remove all these things from your life, anger, insult, bitterness, all that stuff. In in short, here's what he's saying. Verse 31, quit being a jerk. That's it. Don't be a jerk. Some of you do a great job at that. Well, I say all of you do. First service, yeah. But second service, y'all all do a great job. All right, so a lot of you say, hey, that's good. Some of you, you know, people can be mean to you, and you just, you know, you, you keep yourself under control, and I'm always impressed with that. But here's the deal about forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't just about what you don't do. 
It's also about what you do. It's not just I'm going to avoid these things in my life. There are things that I'm to be doing that demonstrate forgiveness. Well, like what? Well, in verse 32, it it gets a little bit challenging. He says, you are to respond with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. When you've been wronged, how many many of y'all just have these three words just naturally pop up into your mind? Kindness. When you're driving, and that person cuts you off. Compassion. Is that what jumps into your mind? Not me. Forgiveness. Another another meaning for forgiveness, it it means to to freely pardon. That that means no strings attached. You know, typically whenever we talk about forgiveness, I think some of us, we say, I will forgive you if, or I will forgive you, but, that's, that's strings attached. The word forgiveness, it means to freely pardon. It means I'm not going to dig up a past offense and beat you to death with it. You might say, well, well why, would I, why would I not want to do something like that? Well, because of what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 35 and 36, love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Now, as we give forgiveness, as we demonstrate mercy and forgiveness to people who don't deserve it, we are emulating Jesus. Now, I, it's strange. I, forgiveness is not nat, just, just not natural for me. Because if I forgive, I'm thinking, well, I'm missing out on the opportunity to get a pound of flesh. Uh, if, if I don't forgive, or if I do forgive, then I'm missing out on the opportunity to prove myself right. Because I, when, when there's a wrong that's been done to me, I want to show you how you were wrong for doing that. And I'm going to show you the right way. Okay, so that, that is something that is natural for me to practice in my life. But I think really when it comes down to it, the reason why I struggle with forgiveness more than any other thing is because I've forgotten my place. Yeah, I, I, if somebody does something that is offensive to almighty me, well, how dare they? You know, the world is out of whack now because somebody has done something that bothers me. Well, here's, here's the newsflash. I'm not God. Neither are you. And whenever I have been wronged, it's not about me getting things right, making things right by pointing out somebody else's failure and getting my pound of flesh. My job is to be forgiving. Why? Because that is what God has done for me. That's the end of verse number 32. I am to be forgiving just as in Christ God forgave me. So what are some signs that I've truly forgiven somebody? A couple of noticeable signs. Uh, the way you treat people. Paul said you demonstrate kindness and compassion towards others, even those who've wronged you. Paul says you, you pray for those who've wronged you. Now when I say that, I'm not saying you pray for them to die. And that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about. But when you pray for them, you pray for them. it doesn't mean that you have to be happy or anything, but I mean you pray, God, I pray that you'll move in their life, that you'll change their heart. God, that you'll do a work in them. Let me tell you something. When you begin to pray for somebody else and you begin to see a work of God done in their life to somebody who's wronged you, it is amazing how 
those feelings of anger and bitterness begin to move away from you. I like a, a book called Not a Fan by, by Keith Eidelman. And this book, he talks, it's called Not a Fan. In this book, he talks about the importance of who Jesus is and who we are not. Um, in the book, I'll, I'll read you a quote. It's kind, of a, it's kind of a long quote. He says, Jesus was never interested in having fans. When he defines what kind of a relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer isn't an option. My concern is that many of the churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to being stadiums, and every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in following him. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Now, we can, we can talk a good game, say all the right things, let me tell you something, when I look in the world today, I'll tell you what I see, just in general. I see darkness. I see people who are hurt and who are bitter, and many of them, I would say, rightly so. But they've allowed that hurt and that bitterness to stay inside of their lives to where there is darkness, and we point out all the time, I've, I've been offended, my feelings are hurt, this group gets more than that group. Now, I expect that from the world. I do not expect it from believers. The world, you know what they need to see from us? They need to see Jesus. And the way we look more or most like Jesus is when we are a people of forgiveness. So why, why forgive? Well, if, if we don't, we, we are enslaved. Bitterness takes root. But if we do forgive, it removes anger, gives us freedom. And then when we do forgive, it also will make you more like Jesus. What the world needs to see? Jesus. If you live like Jesus, let me tell you something. It's going to change the world. Things will be different. Now, in saying that, here's what I, I know. I, I know some of your story. I don't know all of your stories, but I know some of your stories. And some of you have, have been wronged and you have been hurt. And some of you have been dealing with it for a long time, but you would have to say, if you're honest with yourself, as I am trying to be honest with myself, that there are still, there's still little roots of bitterness that are in my life. Things that have happened where I've been hurt and I'm still sort of hanging on to it. You know what needs to happen to those roots? They need to be cut. You need to cut them out. Quit feeding them. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, the best thing I know to do is go to Jesus. Say, Jesus, this, these are the things that I have in my life. This is where I've been hurt and I've been wronged. And God, I have not let, I have not let it go. But God, I want to be like you. So Jesus, I pray that you'll help me to forgive. To let it go. Now our band, as our band is coming in, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to ask them if they would just, if you play that song, do it again. And it could be, they're, they're, you know, I think sometimes we think, I don't, I don't think God can do that in my life. I don't think God can, can help me forgive. I don't know if he's got that much power. Well, let me, let me encourage you to do something. As we sing this song, as those words come up, I want, I want those words to be your prayer. Focus on those words and then have faith and confidence that God can do more than you can ask or imagine. It could be some of you today. You might say, I need, I want to do something 
physical where I am demonstrating, saying, God, I, I am turning it all over to you. Feel free to come forward and just you can just simply kneel in prayer and just simply say, God, I am releasing this bitterness that's in my life. Jesus, I want to look more and more like you.